Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of This Week in AML. I'm John Byrne, Chair of the AMLRS Advisory Board. And I'm Elliot Berman, our Creative Director. We are excited to welcome you to the This Week in AML podcast, where we explore key news and developments in the global financial crime prevention community. Hi, John. How are you this week? I'm good, Elliot. Getting ready for uh, the holidays and hopefully a little... So uh, even though the weather's cold where you are and where I am, it's uh, it's a good time to to relax and get ready for 2023. Yeah, we're getting uh, cold rain here. Right. I know there's <laughs> a big snowstorm moving across the country, but uh, it's been warm enough here that it's a cold rainy day instead of a cold snowy day. Yeah, so um, a lot of news uh, in the past couple of weeks. Uh, so separately, I was part of a the D.C. chapter of ACAMS had an end of the year review, and I did a, a fireside chat with a, a house financial services staffer and uh, Danielle Lindholm, who's great. Uh, and I'll just say high level. She uh, she mentioned that all the um, uh, legislative uh, directions to FinCEN uh you know, are, are challenging because of resource issues, but there are some studies in the pipeline. She does expect before the end of the year, uh, at least she hopes, uh, their study on de-risking, which will be interesting. And obviously we'll, we'll cover that in early 2023. And some of the other items there that didn't make it to the finish line, the Enablers Act, which you and I have talked about, some of the provisions there uh, obviously could have added to uh, oversight of areas of uh, gaps that we would argue. So I think there'll be a lot. I don't think I know there'll be a lot going on in 2023. So uh, we will continue to cover all that. But the thing that uh, struck uh, both of us, I know we talked about this earlier today, and that's the uh, the guilty plea of Dansk Bank, uh, the largest bank in Denmark, to forfeit $2 billion. Uh, Dansk Bank has been in the news in the AML news for a couple of years, but a whole host of things in that case that I think we should spend a couple of minutes talking about. Uh, agreed. So it was a joint um, investigation by both the U.S. Department of Justice through the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York, uh, and where many high-profile cases um, are um, worked. And then also uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission had a piece. Um, and at its core, it had to do, I mean, the claims were uh, Dansk Bank committed fraud on U.S. banks. Um, and the activity came out of Dansk Bank had until 2019 a branch in Estonia. And that branch had a line of business that sought to uh, attract non-resident customers, meaning people who were not residents of Estonia, some of whom were in Russia, right, um, and offering to assist them in the movement of large sums of money, including through the U.S. banking system with little or no oversight, um, which is would be a lucrative uh, line of business if you could do it legally. Right. And the um, FBI was involved in this investigation. As we know, they work with their international um, 
peers and colleagues, partners uh, to do the investigation. Uh, you know, I think some of the some of the key comments from the press release and certainly from the elements of the actual plea is uh, are, are that um, th this is a correspondent bank risk uh, model. This this is why our regulators continue, and, and not just our regulators, but certainly FATF has made this clear. The correspondent banking is a high risk area that you need to be comfortable knowing that all throughout the pipeline that there is uh, proper due diligence, reporting of suspicious activities, strong AML programs, none of which occurred here. And, you know, obviously one of the keys for Dansk was to get access to the U.S. financial system. And this makes it very clear and certainly says in the press release from several of the uh, 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 key lawyers there, if you're going to use the U.S. financial system, you have to play by the rules. And if you don't, obviously this is a perfect example of holding them holding them accountable. But I, I was just not shocked, but I was sort very surprised by how much in this uh, agreement uh, Dance Bank clearly knew what was happening, uh, made no effort in some areas in terms of gathering information. There was, I guess, an internal whistleblower that helped provide some of the information. So did the audits that were done, information from regulators there as well. But this this just seems to be, you know, them thumbing their nose at oversight. Yes. Um, so one of the questions that often gets asked in the U.S. when we see something of this magnitude is, you know, uh, what happened at the senior levels of the institution? Um, as this un investigation unfolded and early in, the, in its uh, life when... Uh, things were coming to light, the, the then CEO of Dance Bank resigned. So his name was Tom Borgen. His name still is Tom Borgen. And he uh, actually left the company in 2018. Um, there were several suits filed against him in uh, Denmark, one of which was investors uh, arguing that he had a pers some personal liability to them or to the company and the courts determined that that was a claim that the companies had to bring that individual investors couldn't. There was also, um, there was a criminal case against him and he was acquitted. Um, so uh, he certainly has had a negative turn in his career, but interestingly enough, um, you know, not, um, he isn't taking the kind of hit that the uh, bank is taking. No. Um, and as you mentioned, the separate uh, action from the Securities Exchange Commission, and this was uh, $400 million to settle those charges, and that's for misleading investors, um, as you mentioned. So that was part of it. What, I, what jumped out at me in terms of the SEC's release uh, is that Dance Bank, as we said, acquired the Estonia branch back in 2007. It should have known the substantial portion of the customers were engaged in, uh, you know, high-risk activity, and that its AML and KYC procedures were not being followed, didn't comply. Uh, you know, the SEC also alleged that the high-risk customers utilized the services to transact billions of dollars in suspicious transactions through U.S. and other countries, generating as much as 99% of the Estonia branch's profits, which is pretty phenomenal. And then the comment from the director of 
enforcement was uh, corporations that raised money from the public have to disclose that information that's material to investors who then they get to decide what risk they want to take. That's the basic bargain of the securities laws. And that's um, obviously what the SEC complaint charge that they violated the anti-fraud provision, uh, provisions of the of the SEC Act. So that's also in addition uh, to the $2 billion. And this is, again, joint effort, uh, FBI, SEC, Southern District, and obviously uh, with their partners overseas. So a lot, a lot here, but it does go to the basic area of correspondent bank issues. And again, I think if you're any U.S. institution, uh, what you learn, what questions are you asking in the correspondent bank field? What sort of documentation is it to show that their AML controls are solid? They're monitoring all those sorts of things. Uh, this is a, a clear example of why uh, you have to think carefully about providing correspondent bank services, uh, services and, uh, you know, as we always say with enforcement actions, even if you're a smallish institution, you can learn thematically from these things. And this is a really good example of doing that. Yes. Um, and to the extent that um, one of the learnings is to the extent that you do an acquisition. Right. Um, your, do, your corporate due diligence needs to include uh, a comprehensive review of anti-money laundering, compliance programs, a real under a real deep dive and understanding of of uh, service lines and product lines. Um, it it there isn't any indication in any of the documents that this service line at the Estonia branch was like not known that it right. was hidden somewhere. So you know it um, uh, in the same way. I mean, obviously, it's a very pedestrian comparison, but in the same way that if you if a U.S. financial institution is buying another one that has very high um, overdraft fees, which is much different than what was going on here, of course, but you know, uh, really tear, tearing that down to the nuts and bolts and figuring out whether they're giving all the proper disclosures, whether they're you know aligned with the way regulators look at that issue, that would be really important. Well, so much the more so when you take a look at. Um, uh, an acquisition and really understand what you're buying in terms of anti-money laundering compliance risk and other financial crime risk. Uh, obviously, I agree. Um, so this is our last uh, recording of This Week in AML, new recording for 2022. We will, we will give you some archives in the next couple of weeks. I just want to mention that you can go to our website and we have um, previous uh, podcast interviews with a series of folks in the past year that I think you'll, uh, you'll find uh, interesting. If you missed it the first time around, we've interviewed a few authors. Uh, there has been um, uh, some focus on a whole host of issues that are both domestic and international. And again, they are readily available on our website. Next, early next year in uh, January, we're going to be doing a webinar on um, human trafficking related topics and a whole host of issues after that. Uh, but there's a, uh, we have several things in the pipeline planned for you, but uh, I know that we want to wish everybody a safe holiday season. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your feedback. 
Uh, also, always interested in people you think we should interview or topics we should cover. So let Elliot and I know that as we plan our 2023 programming. Yes, uh, thanks, John. So the date of that uh, human trafficking uh, focused webinar is Wednesday, January 25th. It'll be at our regular time, 1 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. GMT. And um, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, um, January is uh, Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And so, uh, you know, we urge you to uh, think in your, think about how your institution uh, can raise the awareness of uh, this really challenging uh, problem, which is truly global. Um, it's local and it's global, uh, like so many of the most difficult problems. So uh, uh, we're certainly going to try to provide the webinar and some of our previous materials as resources, but look for other um, resources as well and think about how you can, your institution can spend a little bit of time raising awareness uh, next month. So John, uh, I know I will actually talk to you, but um, happy holidays to you and the family. And um, we'll do our first live one the first week of January. Thanks, Elliot. Uh, stay safe and good wishes to your family as well. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.